It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams, and today we are joined with Ty Laster, who's going to share with us how he's raised, just last year, over $17 million. And he's doing it a way that you have never thought of. It's like, it is the opposite of what we would think. He has reversed the role and become the reverse magnetism, the magnetism to pull people in. And it's really interesting how he's done it. So, uh, Ty, if you, if you would just, if you wouldn't mind, share a little bit about your background and then I'm going to pick your brain on how you were able to raise $17 million last year. Absolutely. I've been in real estate for about 10 years. I've been doing real estate successfully for probably about four years. First, when we first got started, I actually got started with my first time homebuyers tax credit and started buying and flipping properties and everything was transactional, didn't really do much from there. It was just one deal after the other. And then I decided I wanted to start building a portfolio and start building some wealth for ourselves and a net worth. And so we kind of changed our strategy up. And I started focusing on growing my network so that my net worth could increase as well and really changed our strategy with uh, real estate. So that's kind of my background, I guess. And the last, I guess, three or four years, we've kind of narrowed in our niche on what we do as far as real estate. We focus on single family with an owner finance exit strategy. And then we smoke, focus on uh, smaller to mid-size uh, garden variety multifamilies. So that's kind of how we're diversified within real estate. And that's kind of what we really focus our portfolio on. So what is garden variety multifamily? If you could uh, just help me define that. So we don't go into anything that's got elevators or in it or anything like that. We stay typically two-story. We've got some three-story buildings. And Things that we like to stay with, you know, gabled or traditional style roofs on those. We really like to go in the flat roof. We have done a few flat roof buildings. We typically come in and part of our value add process or capital expenditures is to put in a, a pitched roof on, on that building. And then it's just apartment complexes that are within the seven to 800 up to $1,100 a month range, really in B-class areas. B class? Yeah, we typically go with B, B class, you know, or, or at least properties they'll end up being B class properties. They're typically older than 15 years old, but they are in a position to where after we add the value add, we're not going to be going after that very top white collar market really per se, because I mean, we all know that once you've got a property that's at the top end of the market and the market goes to fall, then you're stuck with something that has a lot more vacancy factor to it. Okay. Well, it sounds like this is really well thought out. Now, now let's get right into, you know, understanding how you're able to raise $17 million because what I've seen with other, other people that are trying to raise money is, you know, they're very aggressive and they're very, you know, they call a lot of people and, and I'm sure that just takes so much time and effort to pick up the phone and just kind of hear no, hear no, hear no. Oh, I got a yes. And, and they're working, you know, they, they want to hear that no because the more no's lead to the more yeses. And it's just, you know, hundreds of no's can yeah. I get? <laughs> yes. But, but you're doing it completely differently. 
And I really want to start by how you're branding yourself. And well, first off, the answer is that you're branding yourself and we'll dive into that. But let me just find out as the end result is like, what does branding yourself get? Are you having to call, you know, over and over all these different investors and say, hey, would you like to invest in my deal? Or are you doing something different, Ty? So that's how we started out. And it took us forever to really make any traction. And it was like, no, after no, after no. And what kind of experience do you have? And, you know, every single question that you can think of. And that's kind of when I started rethinking our whole real estate portfolio and our real estate business. And, really started, I mean, I ended up bringing in some coaches and some, some people who were where I wanted to be that I, that, that I trusted could teach me to do the same things. And so we brought in some people that, that really set back and with an outside view said, okay, here's what you're doing. And this is why it's, it's wrong. And so we had somebody that had a non-biased viewpoint on our business. And so you know, what we were doing was just driving through all those notes as fast as we can get. And I still get them today, people calling me or people sending me a Facebook message or an Instagram message that says, hey, I've got this great deal. Are you interested? And it's like, I, I've got enough deals to look at. I, I don't want to waste my time with something. I don't know who you are, right? And so one of the things that we've implemented now is kind of what I refer to now as the Lincoln effect. And so if you look at at Lincoln Automobiles, been thought of for for years as the go-to vehicle for the retirement age, you know, and that was really driving their business into the ground, right? And so they had a higher-end car like Cadillac for a higher-end market that competed with imports, but they had a, a brand that nobody wanted to associate with except for the retirement people. And so they have gone out and they hired Matthew McConaughey as their face, right? Well, who associates with Matthew McConaughey? You want the middle-aged women and all the women who think he's good looking, right? And so now you've all of a sudden got the women vote. And so you're selling your navigators again. And then you've got the men who looked at Matthew McConaughey and say, well, I want to get, I want to attract women like he does. And so you've, you've now built your brand off of that. And so, you know, it's the same thing with Wheaties or, you know, Nike, you know, who really eats Wheaties? The, the Olympic athletes that are on the face of Wheaties are not eating Wheaties. It's terribly tasting cereal. But they sell their product because the people that are buying their products see the faces on the front of those products and they automatically want to associate with them, right? And so one of our branding techniques was how can we bring in that same aspect that works in other industries? How can we make that work in our industry, right? And so I started associating with people who are faces that are well-known, right? And so then if we associate with people that are well-known faces and we use that as our branding, and then we add in our portfolio of success that we've already done and start building out a portfolio that is, that is branded or advertised and, and pushed by other celebrities that are well-known, then it, my job as a salesperson or the CEO of our business becomes a lot easier, right? Because then I can... I can put that material out there at a various forms and in various different ways, whether it's social media marketing or, or whatever form of marketing that we're using. And now I've got a product that other people are interested in because who's associating with me. And, and so then once you start turning what would have been a cold lead, you now have people that are asking you, Oh, what are you doing? I want to get involved in what you're doing or how are you doing this? Or how are you getting so many deals or, where are these deals coming from? Can I partner with you? And so now I've got somebody that's interested in partnering with me 
coming to me first before I even have to sell myself. And, and so that was really what changed our dynamic and our businesses and how we were raising capital. Okay. All right. So as an end result, instead of you calling and trying to get a hundred no's so you can get one yes, you've branded yourself like Matthew McConaughey and Lincoln so that other people see what you're doing and they, can, they will call you and they will say, can I have a chance to partner with you? Absolutely. So, so is that working? Is are. that working pretty well or? Yeah. So wherever our ads are at, I mean, we, we obviously have a call to action with our ads, but our ads are not me sitting there selling myself. It's somebody else who is known by a majority of investors who have the capital to invest. It's a, it's a face that would be known by those people that is selling my, selling my product for me along with a history of, of, of deals and things like that. And so I could take, you know, once we had a small portfolio of transactions and a small portfolio of real estate and added that with somebody else selling our product for us that was known, then any call to action that we had became a lot more easy. So somebody's in clicking on a link that says, I'm interested in your product. So we get it. We get an email that says, you've got a new subscriber that wants information on your product. Or um, we have, we have events where we do, you know, live events where we fill a room with accredited investors or whatever the case may be. And so these are people who are already interested in our product because the advertising appealed to them because they saw who were associated with us. Right. And so now instead of having word of mouth referrals, our referrals are coming because of the people that we've associated with. And so that really, I think that's when I really understood your network is your net worth. Right. And so when I started associating with people who where I was, where I had the lowest net worth in the room, my net worth continued to rise then after that. So many people, so many people want to be the smartest or the wealthiest or the, you know, the biggest person in the room. I'd rather be confident in myself, but be one of the smaller people in the room so that I can grow my net worth to, to the room. Yeah. All right. So let's give if if you can uh detail me out in two or three steps to do what you're doing to attract capital in the way of your ads and or your live events that the listener who wants to be able to raise more equity for their deals might be able to do follow your stamp and and do the exact same thing to be able to grow their brand in their area. Yeah. So twofold, um, getting started out, I I did two things. I first, um, one of the first coaches that I hired offered a platform to celebrity branding, if you will. So through that, I was able to meet one of the people who brands me is George Ross, who was Donald Trump's former real estate attorney. And so I've now worked with him and and done a number of things with him. And so he, he is one of the people who does ads for us. And so I found somebody who was already doing and providing and offering what I wanted to do. And so by doing that, he connected me with four or five different A-list type people that we could utilize for our brand. And so now that's what one of our, you know, we we offer the same thing. We offer a number of coaching platforms and, and we kind of bring in some of the people who have branded us to brand our students. The second thing that we did then was when we go to networking events, we go to 
networking events that are in a Los Angeles or a New York or in a Miami to where there is going to be already A-list names there. And we will pay for VIP or backstage passes for whatever it is to get back there and to, and to create a, a relationship, a short, brief relationship. And then I typically have some sort of an idea of what I want to do to go in and network with that person, how I'm going to create a, um, like one of the people that I met, I met actually out of the country. One of the first celebrities I met was Vanilla Ice. And I met him in South Africa. And I just started researching him before I met him because I knew he was going to be there so that I could find some sort of commonality between he and I so that when I did meet him, because I had full expectations of approaching him and meeting him, but not to come in and act like, oh, you're a celebrity. How do I talk to you? You want to come in and, and, and respect them, but not act like a, a groupie fan, right? And so I knew his background so that I could go in and find a commonality between he and I and use that as a conversation starter. And so that's typically what I do. I research whatever event I'm going to be at, who's going to be there and how I can meet them. And then I research them before I go so that I'm well prepared to meet that person and carry on a, a conversation with them before we get started, which will typically end up into some sort of later meeting or follow up that obviously is going to cost money for me to, to buy their time, but it's a, it's a, a branding per, it's a branding opportunity that I otherwise wouldn't get. Yeah, that is, that's very, very interesting. So let, let me talk about one of the first things you mentioned is that you partner with some celebrities and they pitch you and you don't have to pitch you. So you've done an ad with someone named George. You did an ad where George basically pitched you. Is, is that right? Am I, am I way off or? Yeah. So he came in and, and basically I did an interview with him. It was a short interview and, and kind of walked through, you know, I had my interview questions set out to where as he answered those, he was going to answer those where it says you should be doing business. You should be partnering with Ty as you're doing deals. And so first I start the interview, you know, with, you know, George, I know you're, you're, you're well known through being a judge on Celebrity Apprentice and being partnered with Donald Trump and, and, and doing all of his real estate transactions, but I don't want this to be about Donald. This is, you know, about you. So tell me a little bit about your real estate history. And so then he walks through that. And so now all of a sudden we're talking about somebody who's partnered with Donald Trump, somebody who is on TV with Celebrity Apprentice, and I've positioned that from the beginning, right? And then I go through a series of questions with, that, that ultimately get to what I want the audience to hear as far as George endorsing me, right? And endorsing doing business with me. And so I typically set up a, you know, a series of five to 10 questions that will, that will walk through bringing him from being, you know, setting up his name so that people know who he is and then working through his history and then getting up to endorsing me is typically one of the last questions. Okay. And, and this I is, I think with him, with, with him, it was like, you know, uh, it was very early on. Like I had about two or three years of small, small real estate business. And we were really trying to raise capital for our first multi-million dollar apartment complex. And so it was, you know, working from single family homes, getting into multifamilies. How did I position it? Something like, you know, being that we don't have the experience in the multifamilies, but we're positioning ourselves with people like you who have significant experience and you're going to come in as one of the partners on this deal what would you say to people who might be a, an outside investor coming in who has concerns with somebody who has not done a deal like this before? And so then I let him say, well, you're, you know, bringing me in as an advisor. And, and now all of a sudden he's the advisor on the deal. 
Yep. That, yeah, so, by the way, on the Facebook Live, people watching right now, there's a, there's a lot of comments, uh, like just talking about how you're bringing straight fire right now. So just, <laughs> I don't know if you're, uh, actually, Ty, if I don't know if you're on the Facebook Live looking at it currently, but... but I, my phone keeps blowing up with, yeah, the people that are coming in and tagging in. You've, so. you've, got, some, you've got some fans and they, they're saying you're dropping some straight fire and I completely agree that what you've just shown us into your business is something that I would expect, you know, you couldn't get for any less than 10 or $20,000 with a one-on-one mentor sharing these things. And so you've been really open to uh, teaching us some really incredible wisdom uh, pieces that will, that can really change our business. I want to find out because there's a lot of different strategies, right? So I want to understand a few more branding strategies that we might be able to implement to be able to maybe raise $17.2 million this year. But outside of that, I'm curious if there's other details that you can share about what you learned from hiring this coach or this mentor that has been there before. Is there any other things you can share? Yeah, absolutely. So Um, one of the biggest things is, you know, what got you to where you're at today is not going to get you to the next level that you want. And I, I don't think I didn't really understand the, or or, or comprehend that when I first heard it the first few times. And and I really sat back and looked, well, how, how do I implement that into my business? What does that even mean? And, And so really what you can break it down to is how you're, how do you change? How do you, how you adapt to change is how you succeed. Right. And so what got me to a hundred thousand dollar business where I was making a hundred thousand bucks, that's basically 95 to a hundred percent me, right? Like anybody can go out and start a business tomorrow. And if you hustle hard, you can make a hundred grand, right? It's not that hard, but what gets you to that point is not going to get you to making a million dollars. Right. So you have to figure out where it is that you change and you have to start building a team. And so then to get to that million dollar mark, you have to step back and you have to be willing to, to let go of 10 or 20% of your business and bring in somebody who can do that so that you can start focusing that extra 20% of your time towards, towards growth and towards new strategies, right? And then what, what got you to a million is not going to get you to 10 million, right? And you really have to start building a team to get to that 10 million. Like our, our, our whole dynamics changed to get to 10 million. We, we went from being a small two then to four person shop to now we've got a, 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 a huge team. And it's a, we've got within our, within our office, we have eight, eight or 10 people at any given time. And then we have a team of subcontractors and things like that. And we have over 150 people that we pay on, on a weekly or monthly basis. But then what got me to 10 million is not going to get me to what to a hundred million, what I'm focused on now. Right. And so I have to sit back and okay, this has gotten me to here. And, and that's where I find people that are at the level that I want. So my, my business coaches have 200 to $500 million businesses. And because that's where I want to take my business to. And so you have to set back and there's a lot of the times I'm, I mean, I was born and I'm naturally a controlling person. I want to, if it's, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And that's the way I was raised. That's the way my dad was. But my dad had a, decently successful business, but he had that mentality all the way through. And so it got him to a pretty successful point, but then he stagnated and that's where he was for the rest of his career. Right. 
And, and I realized that, you know, if I want to grow past a point to what I'm capable of getting to, I've got to be willing to not worry about those lines in my yard and me having to do them myself. I'm going to pay somebody to do that $10 an hour job. Then I'm going to pay somebody the $10 an hour job to take my dry cleaners to the cleaners and to go pick up my groceries and things like that. And once I did that, I can elevate a little bit. And then I start bringing in people who now I don't look at any of our deals. And so we, we have maybe 200 to 300 deals that come across our desk every week. Well, we have a team. We have four acquisitions managers. That's their sole purpose is looking at deals and fishing out those five or 10 that are worth one of the four of our partners' times to even take a look at, right? And so that was something like my dad and so many people were never willing to do is to say, I'm going to give the control to somebody else to look at this and really build out the structure. You have, I mean, it took me probably 90 days of recording videos and doing things that this is how I want it done right? And then once you follow these steps, I know you're at least 80% of what I need to get done. And then I can go in and take my time to spend that extra 20%. And so you have to be willing to take those changes and make those changes like that to grow your business. And, and that was one of the really the first things we did with branding. It's like, you know, I know I can pick up the phone and just hammer out people and eventually get to a yes. But whoa, whoa wait a minute. Now I'm about to spend you know, $20,000 on a coach to teach me how to do this. And then after I do that, I'm going to spend maybe another five or $10,000 on my first interview with somebody who's going to brand me for me. And so now I'm $30,000 out on not even me being on the phone. Right. But then it worked. And I was like, Oh shoot. Okay. Now how many times can I do that to really start growing and, and, and implementing those things that, that I picked up along the way? Yeah. Let me see if I can touch on two of the things that you shared. And, and that was that was just brilliant, by the way. The first one is, you know, what gets you here won't necessarily get you there. And I completely agree. What gets you to a million doesn't get you to, you know, 10 million. What gets you to 100,000 doesn't necessarily get you to a million. And, you know, one of the things that I did it, two years ago, I started a meetup group, my, you know, my, and my goal was to to become a thought leader in a city, within a city. And so I started a meetup group and, you know, a year later I started a podcast and because my goal was to, you know, become a thought leader within, you know, the world or whatever. And, you know, I have some awards over here where I can't really reach them, but, you know, I, I won the master investor of the year award nationwide and, and just things like that is things that like the meetup got me somewhere. The podcast is getting me somewhere. And we're, we're doing things a little bit differently now. And so I, I just want to really point that out that, you know, regardless of what it is, you know, a meetup is a great thing and a podcast is a great thing. You know, making phone calls to raise your own equity is a great thing. But sometimes there's, there's something different that you can change it up and actually become much more successful. And you said it yourself even if you're giving 20% of the company or of the revenue away to someone else, if that's going to get you from uh, 1 million and you own it all to 10 million and you only have eight of the 10 million, I mean, just think right. about like, you know, what that was really doing for your business. And the second thing that I wanted to touch on that you mentioned that really struck with me is you, how you can adapt to change is how well you succeed. And it made me think about uh, somebody, uh, I don't remember who, I think it was, who was the person who talked about um, evolution? Anyway, it was someone a long time. Yeah, I think it was Darwin. But basically says that it's not the strong that survive, 
it's not the, you know, the strong that survive. It's really the ones that are most able to adapt to change that survive. And when we look at this, we look at some very large companies, very large, multi, multi, multi dollar companies that just got hit in the face and they shut their doors down. We can name so many of them right now. We don't need to, but there's so many giant companies that wouldn't adapt to the internet and they just got shut down on themselves. So it's not the strong that survive. It's the ones the most adaptable to the change that are able to survive. And I, I, I just wanted to point, a, you know, really put a pin in both of the, or really um, bring those out is because I thought that there was so much wisdom that I've seen in my own business and in other people's businesses from those two things that you mentioned. Now, as we talk about really branding yourself so that people, and Trina says it was Darwin, so so. Uh, anyway, that's on the Facebook Live. If you're on the podcast right now, you're missing out on the Facebook Live. I'm sorry. <laughs> what I was going to sh- ask you is, as we brand ourselves, and one of the things is we can we can be successful when we reach out to other people, but what are some other things that really... Changed your business, Ty, that made it so people are are excited to be working with you. If if you could name just a few more things that have really benefited you for that seventeen million dollars of equity last year. So one thing that I can really point out is incentivize, don't penalize. And so kind of what I mean by that is one of the first partners, and it was really a mentor. But and this is what made me go from working with somebody who said I could come in and partner with them and they would mentor me. But in essence, it was a free mentorship to deciding I needed to pay for coaching. And and it was something that I learned through um, college athletics and everything. I mean, I've always had coaches that helped me succeed. So my brother and I were partnered together and we started out our real estate business partner together. And we threw a, through a, an acquaintance, we met another real estate investor who had a decent, a decent business and a construction business here in the DFW area and said, Hey, let's partner on a deal. He kind of saw our enthusiasm and our energy said, let's partner on a deal. Maybe we can figure something out from there. And we were working towards buying out his construction company and, and really partnering with him. And he was our quote unquote mentor, right? Well, you get out of a lot of things, what you put into them. Right. And so it's like, it's like with your marriage and I, I am married to a wonderful wife and I, I say things a lot of the times that I don't always do. And so, you know, you can get out of your marriage, what you put into it. You go buy your wife a nice diamond ring or a pair of red bottom shoes or a Louie or whatever it is, you know, and you're going to get a lot more out of that marriage. Right. And so it's the same thing with business. And so our mentor at the time had the philosophy of, well, I'm going to hire people, whether it's construction guys on my job or it's people that are running my business, I'm going to hire people that are not as smart as me so that I can hold that over them and I'm going to drive them down and I'm going to force them to do what it is that I want them to do. But then they only get something 60% complete and typically you have to go back and you have to fix what they've already done, right? Because he was so worried about controlling his business and couldn't hand away that control, right? And so one of the things that my one of my first coaches said is, incentivize people to be better instead of penalize them, right? Come in and and surround yourself with people who put them in their right lane. And so, you know, one of my partners, Lee, that you've already interviewed, they, he, he is very good at building teams. So he goes in, he's really good at reading people, finding out what lane it is that they do best in 
and making sure that we put that person in that lane. And then when we put them in that lane, we give them the authority and we incentivize them to make moves. And it's something that Apple co-founders really did a good job of is they came in and, and, and Google does this now. They bring in very smart people and they say, okay, you're smarter at this lane than I am. That's why I brought you here. I want you to go be free with your mind. I want you to, I want you to bring value to this company and we will incentivize you to do so. And it just creates a working environment that is, that is conducive to bringing in intelligent and entrepreneurial minds is what we are looking for, right? Like, I mean, I don't necessarily want to bring in another entrepreneur who's going to go out and take what I've taught them and then go be my competition. But I want to bring entrepreneurs into our company who maybe still like that, that schedule and who still like to have a little bit of control in, in their life. And they like that having a little bit of a salary or compensation of how we've set it up. But they have that mind that is a really think and visionary type mind. And I give them the freedom to go do that. And so like we've, you know, we brought in a, a young kid that went through one of our coaching programs and he, he is a, a visionary and very good at, at analyzing deals. And so he can run through deals in no time. And so then I start getting deals across my desk that I know once he's put them across my desk, it's, it's worth looking into and starting the capital raising process for it because we've put somebody in place that I trust that we incentivize to do so. And he makes for a 20 year old kid, a lot more money than I ever thought about even through my thirties. Right. And, or my early thirties at least. And that concept really changed our business. When we put people in place and said, Hey, if you, if you do this, you're going to get this, but if you do this, we're really going to incentivize you. And then we go in and we bonus them just on, on doing what it is that we want them to do. And so now they're ready to grow with us and build our, our business more so than if we just said, well, you haven't gotten this done when I expected you to get it done. So I'm not going to give you what it is I said I was going to give you. Wow. That is not how we were taught in school though, is it? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking about it and I, in you know, re- reluctantly want to admit that, that I could see myself doing it the way that you told me not to a second ago. I could, I could see myself being like, hey, you're falling short or hey, how come you didn't get this? And as I hear you sharing this, I, I, obviously I'm feeling you know, bad that I've done that, but I'm wondering how can, I, how can I change my mindset so that I can be better at, at helping them you know, by incentivizing. So could you give me and the listener yeah a couple of strategies that helped you to get to where you are? So one of my coaches, Kevin France, he's got a few hundred million dollar consulting firm in the Dallas area. And he consults companies like all over the world. He's got businesses in Australia. He's got a number of fortune 500 businesses that he consults for. And so one of the things he does is when he brings in a new employer, a new subcontractor, is that that will be out on a job at a client's office is they do not go out until they've had 90 days of training and it's not a probation period it's a 90-day training period and so how do I implement that into my business so what we do then is we bring them in and I take for example we've got a new COO starting next week and so she's going to go through a three-day 
coaching event with me. And it's the same thing that I put all of our coaching students through. So she's going to go through exactly what it is that I coach our students on. Because what I coach our students on is exactly the same way we run our business. So she's going to go through that first. And then once she goes through that, she's going to build and compile a list of questions. And then once she compiles those questions, we're going to set her down and we're going to start handing her things that are within our business that are very key city capital direct, right? And it's just little nuances that we've moved our business towards or whatever it is. And so everything that we do, we're going to video. Everything is video each day. And so that we can go back and say, okay, yeah, there was something that you said, or there's something that you did, or we build out a process through that video, right? And within those videos, now it's something that's scripted. And we've created a process that no matter what, if, if she is 80% successful as what is scripted out, then she's really close to where we need her to be, right? Because we've put a process in place. And what we used to do prior to doing this was we bring somebody in and say, okay, here's what we want done. Go do it. Right. And this was prior to incentivizing instead of penalizing. And they would go out and they would never do it the way you wanted to do. Well, you never set them up to, or I never set them up to do what it is that I wanted them to do. I just said, this is what I want my end result to be. Go do it. And I didn't give them the tools that they needed to succeed. Right. And so now we give them the tools, the systems, the process that they need to succeed for a month or two months or three months before we really turn them loose. And so now, yeah, it sets, it, it puts time that it's time on tasks that we have to do. And now we have people in place that know exactly how I do what I do or Lee does what he does. And so they can now teach that process, but it's, it takes time up front, which is typically the hard part as, as an entrepreneur. It's like, well, I don't want to take the time to do this. But what you end up doing is creating a train wreck and you look back a year from now and say, oh man, if I would have taken just 30 days, I would have saved myself 11 months of a headache because I took 30 days up front. So it's, you go back to the analogy of Abraham Lincoln. So you task Abraham Lincoln with the task of cutting down an apple tree that's three foot thick, right? And you tell him he's got four hours to do it. Well, what he would have done is spent the first three hours sharpening his axe so that he could blow through that tree in an hour. What most other people do is they take the axe and they just start wailing at it, right? And their axe is dull a little bit already, and now it's dull by the time they get to the end of it, and now they're worn out because they've spent four hours actually throwing an axe at this tree. Instead, Abe spent three hours of the easy task of sharpening that axe and preparing a foundation so that he can go out and efficiently and effectively throw that tree down. Well, I'm getting a lot of value out of this interview myself, and I hope that's the same with the listener right now. I have one last question for you, and it's, it's about that you have coaching clients, and that's really what I want to ask is, well, number one, you know, being a consultant, a coach, or a mentor um, can be time-consuming. It can take away from a business, and so I really want to understand more of of how does it actually grow your company for you to have coaching clients and not distract, distract what yeah. you're actually trying to do? So I think a couple of things, and I actually wanted to get started doing that earlier on because I like interacting with people. I, I love real estate and don't get me wrong. I love the, I love the, the zeros that it's put behind my bank account, but once I figured it out, it's easy. It's not very hard to go make money in real estate, right? And I'm the type of person that I like to conquer mountains. And 
be interactive with people. And I found that real estate didn't really do that. Like it was just a transactional task for me then. Like, okay, we bought 10 more houses this week. Great. Oh, we bought an apartment. Great. Let's put it in. And now it's making money. We had the, we had the systems and processes set it up. We had management companies in place. We had construction companies in place that handled everything. And so my job became boring. And I wanted to move into earlier coaching and consulting. And Lee actually kind of was one that held me back and said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Let's make sure that our real estate business has created the monthly cash flow for us to run our business and to run the four of us, our lifestyles that we wanted to be. And so we had this number in place that no matter what, if we didn't make another dollar tomorrow, if we didn't do another deal, we have enough properties in place. We controlled enough property that the cash flow from the net cash flow from those properties would sustain us and our business and our lifestyles. Then once we got to that point, we could start building up a coaching and consulting business because yes, it does take a lot of time away from task. And so the way we've kind of structured that now is, you know, Mac and Lee and Boone, they still focus on our real estate business. Um, Boone and Mac are very detail oriented and system and process oriented and they love building that business out, right? And that has kind of opened me up to go out and, and do things in a different manner. And so, you know, raising capital becomes something that, that Lee can focus a little bit more on and letting our, our networking and our, our advertising work for us. And then I can and create more transactional wealth through coaching and consulting. It creates more cash flow, right? And so that's just something that I've always wanted to do and wanted to be involved with, you know, going through sports and stuff. I was always, I was, when I was in college, I had high school kids that I trained for in their positions and, and then in, in weightlifting and training and things like that. And that's just something I've always liked doing because I felt like it kept me sharp in my game because when I'm teaching it and I'm continually acting it every single day it keeps it on front of mind, right? And when it's on front of mind, it's front of task. And I make sure that we aren't letting things slip through the crack that we otherwise might take for granted for. And so that's part of that, how you change is how you succeed. In that if I'm continuing every day building on tasks that I'm already doing, I never take for granted or become complacent in some of those tasks that, you know, I may otherwise say, oh, well, I'll overlook some sort of the due diligence in a new market that we may be going into right? Or whatever that, that may be. So now I am teaching it and I'm practicing it as well. And as I'm teaching it, I'm going out and moving into new markets and things like that. And so that's one of the things. And then the other thing is, is, you know, when you've built a team around you, it, it kind of helps you open up into new avenues like that. What you want to do, you want to focus on what it is that you want to get good at first, build a, an environment that will sustain your lifestyle there. So I, I, I kind of say it this way, focus narrow and cast wide. So like when you go out onto a lake or out on the ocean to go fishing, you, you come in and you use a GPS and you say, well, here's where the fish are going to be. You don't just go out onto the lake and start casting a net and casting rods every single direction. You find an area where you think the fish will be. You go to that area as fast as you can get there and then you cast wide in that area. And so that was kind of for us, real estate was that area. So let's focus on real estate, build a wealth in real estate. Then once we've done that, let's go find other areas where we can build a business and, and generate additional streams of income. 
Okay, so let me see if I can clarify or, or make sure if I understand right. When I was asking how does actually mentoring benefit the business instead of detracting from the company, you, it sounds like the answer that you are giving is, number one, it keeps you sharp. And number two, it opens you up to new opportunities to maybe partner with some of the coaching yeah. clients. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Got it. Yeah. We have a number of clients that bring that, that buy deals from us or we buy deals from them. We partner pool capital together and different things like that. But if you do things too early and it doesn't, whether it's coaching and consulting or it's like our imports business or it's a construction company, any, all of these things are nuances off of real estate. But if you get into them too early before your first business is ready, then it can actually detract from that business, right? You don't want to detract from your first business that's going to create your, put your food on the table, right? So do that first. And then once you do, you can start growing. I mean, real estate offers you, you know, we, we partnered with a property management company. So now that property management company, I have nothing to do with the day-to-day -day transactions, but I generate income from it. We've partnered with construction companies the same way. I don't go out and swing a hammer. I don't go out and, and run the bids on the projects. I've got a system that says, here's the scope of work that I want done on every single project. I hand that off and we have partnered with the contractors because we've brought them enough deal flow early on that they said, okay, we want to partner with you guys, right? Same thing with coaching. Like if we would have started that too early, we would have actually stopped making income in real estate to make money somewhere else. But it would have been a time lapse before we were actually starting to make the income. And so then you've got a problem all in and of itself. And so that's why we still actively transact real estate. We do 30 to 40 deals every single month. That's why we still actively have a construction company. We still have a property management company. And if you look at millionaires, all millionaires have a couple of things in common. One of them is 90% of them are made in real estate. The other one is they all have typically at least seven streams of income but they don't become a millionaire by just starting seven streams of income. They get good at one, then they add on an, an ancillary business and then another ancillary business. And then they continue to add on to where then you grow an enterprise. And that's the philosophy that we've used. All right. Geez. A lot of info, a lot of knowledge, a lot of truth bombs. One of my favorite interviews and on the Facebook live probably got more hearts and likes than any other interview that I've done Facebook live so far. It's been a blast for me. So thank you. Really, really appreciate having you. It's time to let you go. So what I need to find out is there's a lot of people that, you know, really appreciated what you shared and they might want to, you know, take coaching uh, with you. They might want to invest passively alongside with you. So how does the listener find you and get a hold of you? So I'm on all the social media platforms as Ty, spelled like you tie your shoe, T-I-E, Lassiter, L-A-S-A-T-E-R. Our email is, we've got info at Key City Capital. Key is in a door key, C-I-T-Y capital.com. Just blown away that the, the level of information that you just shared that I think would typically cost somebody, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to pull that out of somebody. I really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go, but until next time, Ty, think outside the box. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go, but until next time, think outside the box. Bye.